want to read those words one more time. Uh, it says, Jesus sought me, born a stranger, wandering from the hand of God. It goes on to say, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for the church of God. Amen. Man, you know, you know you've been worshiping the Lord when uh, <laughs> you don't want to stop singing. And, uh, but uh, we're going to dive in this morning. Jill has a word for us. Uh, so Jill's going to come forward. Yeah, I was told Sam that Matt read those words again because I felt like I was supposed to read those words again. But Matt did it. Uh, yesterday, we're, we're flipping a house, and I am in charge of the colors and all that stuff. And I, I look at the house, look down the front step, and then go about. And here was a paint store. And I thought, I'm going in there because why not? Let's see what's there. And uh, this, this lovely woman who works for this paint company, I spent a long time with her. And I showed her the colors, and I kept asking her. Now, this is her job. I kept asking her, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I could not get this woman to commit. And, I mean, we looked at it every which way, in the natural light, in the store, in the natural light. What do you think? She would not commit. Now, I remember sitting there thinking, that's interesting. She will not make this commitment. She must think I'm going to sue her if I don't make the commitment. And then this morning, I went into the barn yard to do the chickens and uh i have a rooster he's big and earlier this week i did all of his hens and they they were butchered and then he was one of the guys left and he was lucky you know his name's lucky now and uh <laughs> well lucky is the he's huge and he has never ever ever aggressive and there's there's only three girls now in his barnyard i go out there i'm not expecting anything and i thought i'm just kind of following this one the lord and i did one little thing and i thought there's something up with this rooster and he came at me and he has never done this and i want to tell you he was committed there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He was going for me. And I thought about us in the church and in our lives. Jesus comes to us, and he gives us everything. He gives us his life. He gives us his blood that he paid for us. And he says, will you be mine? Will you follow me no matter what the cost? And I got to tell you, our fruit... The, of our lives will show what we're committed to. It will show what you spend your time with, what you give your heart to. It will show every single place you go, every single decision you make, no matter what you do. And I believe Jesus is speaking to us. Are you committed to me? The paint store lady, I could not get her to make a commitment. How many of us are like that paint store lady? You've heard the gospel? And you maybe have heard the gospel your whole life, and yet you are on the fence. And the word of God says in Revelations, you make me sick. I want to spew you out when we are lukewarm. That's what the word says. I'm not making it up. And yet he comes and he says, will you follow me? 
And just like that minister, man, that guy was committed. Lucky was committed to taking me out. He said, man, I'm going after you because you're a threat. Jesus said, do you love me? He said, love me. He is looking for every single one. Do you love me? Good word, Joe. That's uh, very apropos as well with part of uh, the message this morning. So God is good, and he's, uh, he's preparing our hearts even now. I have a few announcements uh, to go over with you guys real quick before we dive into Revelation chapter 21. Um, first and foremost, we are in the 90-day challenge. It's a new one. We started it. We're in the book of Genesis, and we're going all the way through First uh, and Second Samuel. So if that is something that you would be interested in doing, I heard a woohoo here in the front. 90-day uh, challenge, three chapters a day, reading through the Old Testament. It's going to be really fun. We can build up one another in it. I have some uh, pamphlets up here. Come see me after service. Get one of those. It breaks down what you should read every day. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, we are, we're quite a few days into July. We started on July 1. I might have a lot of reading to do. I just pick up on, like, the day that we're on now and catch up on your own time. You don't have to try and cram 40 verses or, or, or 40 chapters in at one time. Our second announcement that we have this morning uh, is next week we have the church camp out. All right, I want to hear a little more noise. Church camp out is awesome. We have church camp out next week. Woo! And uh, so that being said, there is going to be no church here at Sunnyside Elementary School, but we're going to have church in the wild. And we're going to be up Mount Hood Village in the forest having church together, and we want to invite everyone to come. If you're not camping, no worries. We're going to have a caravan that meets here at Sunnyside, and we're going to just drive up there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, we're going to have baptism. It's going to be super cool. Literally, the river's pretty cold for baptism, so it's going to be really cool. Um, and so I want to invite you guys to come up to that. And also, on Saturday night of the church camp out, we have our, I think it's fifth or sixth annual talent show. Uh, which I will be emceeing, and we have some pretty talented folks uh, here in the church. So if you got a talent that you're kind of thinking of, uh, kids do it, adults do it, young adults do it, it's great. So if you got a talent, uh, would you let me or Dave and Debbie Nagel know? And also, at the same time that we're doing the talent show, we have our dessert social where we have root beer floats and assorted desserts. And so what we are asking you guys is if you – have a favorite dessert that you like to make. If we could have you guys make desserts, bake desserts, cook desserts, however you do desserts, we would love it if you guys could bring desserts. And if you would let Debbie Nagel know what desserts you bring, or, or, or if you're just bringing desserts, uh, that way we know uh, how much sugar we have to deal with. Uh, amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, hey, let's dive in this morning uh, to the Word of God. How many of you guys brought your Bibles today? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, if you didn't, no worries. You can pull out your smartphone right now. Uh, don't download the Pokemon Go app, which everyone is playing right now. Uh, download the Bible app, and you can read the Bible on your phone. Uh, we're in Revelation chapter 21. If you don't have a phone or a Bible, we have it for you up on the screen. Let's read together Revelation chapter 21. And this is what it says, picking up in verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride and adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, Write these down, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true, that your word is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God, that your word transcends time, that your word transcends culture, and your word is always relevant. And God, we just pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word, that the truths that are found in scripture, God, that those would just impact our hearts and impact our lives. God, that not a one of us would leave this place the same as when we walked in, but that we would be transformed by the power of your word. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would speak to us, and God, that we would be changed from the inside out. God, I pray that none of these would be my words, but God, that you would speak forth anything that would be of me. Uh, God, may I not even be able to get out of my mouth, but that your perfect word would come forth. So God, we just thank you, and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Chapter 21, book of Revelation, 29 sermons coming, and uh, we have one or two more after this, but we are almost at the end of the end, which has a new beginning. And uh, just some recap for you guys, uh, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what happens after the great tribulation and we looked at uh, the millennial reign and we looked at sinners and Satan being sentenced. And this week as I've been doing some study, it's been really the last two weeks that I've been doing some study on the book that I'm beginning to write. I've been reading a lot of the early church fathers and a lot of their commentaries and their epistles that they have written. Uh, and there's some really cool things about our eschatology or our end times theology that we can see in the church fathers. Uh, you'll hear a lot today that, oh, well, maybe there's not a rapture. Oh, maybe it's not a literal millennial reign. Uh, but it's really encouraging to see that the first generation, the second generation, and the third generation church, they believe these things. And they believe that there was a literal millennial reign where Jesus was going to come, establish his kingdom on earth, and we as the saints would rule and reign with him. You can see it uh, in the writings of Barnabas. You can see it in the writings of Papias as well, these early church leaders uh, who had been disciples of the apostles. So just some really cool stuff. That's the little history nugget for today. Not a whole lot more on the history nugget. We're in Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to be focusing on verses 4 through 8. I want to read these verses one more time, and then we're going to dive in. This is what it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, Write these words, for these words are true and faithful. 
And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of this morning's service uh, and message is The Storybook Ending. Um, I remember when I was young, do you remember when you were young, uh, reading stories, the end of the book, if it was a good book, if it was an uplifting book, uh, it would say, and they all lived, right, the storybook ending, they all lived happily ever after. And we're going to look at some happily ever after this morning and next week. Uh, there's also some not so happy ever after, uh, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But uh, heaven, heaven is real. Heaven is epic. And heaven is going to be an amazing place for those who have put their faith in Jesus. That is where we will spend the rest of eternity when Jesus comes. Amen? And then I remember in... Sunday school, I'm going to do something I would never have done from the pulpit. My dad does it every once in a while, and everyone claps, so preempting you. But I remember a song, I remember a song that we used to sing in Sunday school, and it went something like this. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I'm going to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. Can we go there? Anyone? Yeah? Yeah? You know that one? Yeah, I got one hand. That's awesome. Thank you, Rob. And no claps. That's great. Uh, I'm never singing again. Um, no, that's not true. But heaven is a wonderful place, uh, and it is filled with glory and grace. And we're going to talk a lot about heaven this morning. We're introduced here in Revelation chapter 21 to the new heavens and the new earth. The old have burned with fervent heat, the elements and the universe and the earth there within. Second Peter tells us that they have burned with fervent heat. It is no more. There is a new heaven and a new earth. Now let me just clarify this, that there isn't the, the, the Greek understanding and the Jewish understanding of heaven. There was three tiers. There was first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. The first heaven is our atmosphere. Second heaven is space, the universe. Third heaven is where God's throne is. The new heavens that is referred to here is that first and second, the atmosphere and the universe, all of the elements and everything that exists within the space-time continuum. That's the new heaven and the new earth. God's throne room will never burn down. It's eternal, uh, and it's going to come a new earth in just a second. We're going to get to that. But we have a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, I've heard one person said it's like trading in the new car or, or trading in the old car and getting the new car. You got the old car, it's beat up, it's, it, it itched, it's time for something new. The new car comes, and this, this commentator said, I wonder if the new heaven and the new earth will have that new car kind of smell to it. Um, I'm not looking forward to a new car kind of smell. I'm looking for a heavenly kind of smell. Because if the colors and everything in heaven are as they are described here in Revelations, there's probably going to be some pretty cool new smells in heaven also. How many of you guys like to smell good things, right? I believe there's going to be some pretty awesome smells uh, in heaven. One person asked, why would there be a new heaven? Uh, and, and like I just said, there's the three levels of heaven uh, in the Jewish cosmology. And uh, the first and the second were destroyed. Um, and now we are going to see uh, the third heaven where Jesus went to prepare a place for us. You remember in the book of John, Jesus said, uh, I'm going to...
going to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house, there are many mansions. Uh, this is where Jesus has gone. Uh, and now we are going to see the third heaven, the new Jerusalem. Uh, they're going to come converge on the new earth, and we're going to live there for eternity. But one of the most phenomenal things that I want us to look at this morning, I have three points this morning. And the first point is one of the most phenomenal things about the new heavens and the new earth is not what's there, but actually what's not there. So our first point this morning is the most phenomenal thing, or one of the most phenomenal things about the new heavens and the new earth is what is not there. And we're going to look at some things that are not there. We could talk about the gold. We could talk about the crystal sea. It's interesting that Revelation talks about the gold in heaven as being transparent. Uh, I've never seen uh, transparent gold, so that just leads me to believe heaven is pretty, pretty far beyond what we can imagine. Um, but what's not in heaven? What's not in the new earth? Verse 4 tells us that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, nor shall there be any pain. In the world in which we live, uh, there's a lot of tears. Yes, some are joyful, uh, but a good majority of the tears are sorrowful. Uh, we live in a world where sin and death are free reign. Uh, there is death, there is pain, there's crying, there's sorrow, there's tears. Uh, and I just actually want to take a minute to pause prayer real quick, uh, because this week has been kind of a tumultuous week uh, in America uh, and all over the world, but uh, specifically in America, uh, we live in a very painful and sorrowful time um, where there's been a lot of hurt, and so as we think about uh, lives that have been lost even this week, and we've seen them on the news, uh, let's just pray for our country, amen? Dear God, we, we thank you that there is a day coming where you will wipe away every tear from our eyes, where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more death. God, we thank you that that day is coming. But God, we live in a broken and a fallen world. And God, we pray for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for your comfort, and for your compassion. God, to be extended to all people. For those who are hurting, God, we pray that you would comfort them. God, I pray that as the church, we would not be silent. That as the church, we would not be using our voices to condemn. But God, that we would love people the way you love us. God, that we could be your comfort. As your Holy Spirit has comforted us and has done a work in us, God, that we could go be that comfort to the world around us. God, forgive us for our sins. your kingdom would come. So God, we just thank you. Yeah, be with our country, Lord. Be with the world in which we live. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. We start dying the day that we begin to live. It's a, it's a strange concept, uh, but we've been dying ever since we were born. Uh, and we live in a world that is governed by uh, death. It, it, it is a very real reality uh, that we will all, uh, if the Lord does not return soon, we will all experience death. Uh, it's, it's an everyday part of life. And we have never experienced 
a day like the days that are described here in verse 4, where there is no pain, where there is no sorrow, where there is no tear, where there is no crying. Now, we may have gone a day without tears. We may have gone a day without personal sorrow. But every single day, every single second, we are dying. Now, we are making the most of every minute. We are living for the Lord. We're living our lives. But from a strictly biological standpoint, we're all dying. We're decaying. And uh, so we have never experienced a life away from decay, a life that has been, uh, a life that has been um, set free of those uh, frozen parameters of flesh. And that day is coming. And there's going to be a day where there is no tears, no death, no sorrow, no crying, nor pain. And the more we think about that, at least for me, the more I think about that, the more I desire that. To be set free from the chains of just biology and to be able to live in the freedom worshiping God. Randy Alcorn uh, says this in his book about heaven. He says uh, that we need not close our eyes and imagine what heaven may be like, but rather we should open our eyes, lift up our head, and look around us and be inspired by the world in which we live and to think about it on a day where there is no death, where the trees, the beautiful trees we see outside, they never get to decay, they never die, they continue to grow, the fruit is always good, the vegetables are always great, where there is no death, there is no disease, there is no destruction. The devil wants us to think of heaven as being a boring place. How many of you guys ever remember thinking when you heard about heaven and that we were going to be worshiping God for eternity, that you were going to be standing for eons of time in a embellished choir robe, singing songs nonstop? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I remember thinking that. And I remember saying, man, I hope no one has to stand next to me. But... uh it's okay to laugh. Um, but the devil wants us to think it's boring. The devil wants us to just think that it's some, like, picture painted with fat baby angels flying around with bow and arrows and people in choir robes singing with fluffy clouds and lots of pinks and blues. Uh, that's not what heaven is like. The devil wants us to think that is what it's like, and he likes to tell us that hell is the greatest party there is. We get songs by, like, Eddie Van Halen, I'm running with the devil, or ACDC, I'm on a highway to hell. Uh, they may have been, but that's not the place you want to go. Heaven is so much more than we can even imagine. And take the landscape of heaven, which is crazy, away. Just think of the reality that there is no destruction, there is no death, there is no disease, and there is joy, and we can worship God forever. There's no sin in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I think human nature is, is, is pretty universal between all humans. And I don't know that there's a day that's gone by where I have not been weighed down in some way by the sin in my life. Without Christ, it is, it is a crippling weight on our shoulders, our sin and our transgressions, the ones we commit voluntarily and the ones we can't even know we're committing. With Christ, we have freedom, but 
we still sin. We still sin. And, and, and as a follower of Christ, when we sin, we feel the Holy Spirit inside of us. We hear his voice saying, hey, you don't have to do that. There is a different way. There is a better way. Just imagine for a moment a time and a place where you're not going to have the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, don't do that. Because rather you're going to be in the presence of God Almighty and there is going to be no sinful tendencies present at all. That is worth saying amen about and that is worth giving the Lord a hand clap. That is our future when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. No sin. Think about our worst day. The worst day you've ever had. It's been the result of sin. Maybe not a decision you made or something, but it's a result of being in a fallen world. And we are going to spend the rest of eternity with God. Fun. He's doing some fun things on me. But the reality is we spend every moment of every day trying not to die. You're like, well, I wasn't dodging bullets this morning. But did you drink water? You need water to live. Did you eat food? You need food to live. Did you take a breath? You need air to live. Maybe something. I might switch to a different microphone. Um, but as you were driving here this morning, you follow the rules of the road because we're trying not to die. But there is a life and an eternity without this where we will be able to see God face to face. Health is great, and we love it. We get an experience of what our glorified bodies will be like when we look at Jesus after the resurrection. He's got perfect health. He can walk through walls, and he ascends into heaven. One person said, when we get to heaven, it's going to be really cool because we can fly. I don't know. That, would, that might be stretching scripture a little bit, but... More importantly than all of this, uh, we can fully enjoy God. In this life, we, we have experiences with the Lord that are amazing. This time in worship this morning, that was rich. But we have never in this world been able to truly and fully experience God. Because we're confined by temporal things, but when we are in heaven, we will be able to truly and fully enjoy God in everything we do. In this world, sin still hinders us. It hinders our greatest experiences with the Lord. I heard it said one time that even great and good things can become bad when these good things become bad, when they become our foundational things. If, if we just allow experience and, and the good things to become our foundation, rather than having Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, as the foundation, then even our best experiences here will become bad. But in eternity, in heaven, it is so much more. There is no tears. Now, the statement about there being no tears, I just want to spend just a brief moment on this. It's actually a hotly debated topic amongst theologians, what it means when it says there will be no tears in heaven. You have scholars uh, like Dr. John MacArthur 
who says that uh, this could mean when we get to eternity, God will in our glorified bodies, when we are created in our glorified bodies, uh, we will have no more tear death. It will actually be physically impossible for us to cry. Uh, other scholars like Dr. David Jeremiah uh, says that the tears that were present in heaven could be those of uh, the decisions that we made on earth and we regret making those decisions and so we cry about those decisions and Jesus wiped away our tears. But no matter what, the former is gone. Verse 4 says the former things have passed. So whether we're crying because we laid up treasures in the wrong place, maybe we didn't tell enough people about Jesus, all that stuff, that's aside the point. There is no more tears and we will live in a place where the former things have gone. Never looking back, no tears. One person put it this way. I thought this was really good. Uh, imagine a nice tropical fish, maybe in the, the office of your dentist. He's in that fish tank, and that's all he's ever known. And he's lived in the fish tank, lived in the fish tank, lived in the fish tank. But then the owner, who's fed him and done all these nice things for him, says, you know what? I'm going to let you go on the ocean. I'm going to let you go in the beautiful coral reef. And then pictures of finding Nemo in your head. And uh, he, he, he lets the fish go in the ocean. And then the fish experiences all these new colors. And, oh, there's some krill over there. And that's a sea anemone. And, wow, this is so much greater than anything I had ever known. And the fish is free in the vastness of the ocean. Maybe this fish is so lucky to have his dentist owner come and screw the gear and come swim with him. Hey, swim with the barracudas, like cool times. And the fish is in so much freedom. And this person said, this is what heaven is just going to be a glimpse of for us as believers. We are in the fish tank of space-time continuum, but we're going to be let go into the ocean and the sea of eternity where we will be with God forevermore. I think that's pretty cool. We'll ask ourselves the question, how did we ever experience joy before this? Because even our greatest joys today pale in comparison to the immense, continuing, eternal joy that we will have in heaven. Now, verse 5, we get Jesus, him who sits on the throne, uh, talking. And he says some things to John. Points out a little bit about John's character, maybe, or his personalities. Um, but I think John's a lot like many of us. And John gets to see these things. He's like, no tears, no crying, where's my goodness? He gets a little ADD. And he's kind of just looking around like, oh, wow, God, this is cool. This is cool. And then God's like, hey, John, I'm sitting on the throne. I asked you when I brought you up here to show you all these things, to write this all down. He reminds him again, hey, write these things down. Some conjecture, but I think John might have been a little blown away. And God had to rope him back in. Hey, write these things down, John. Write these things down. And what does he tell him to write down? He says, behold, I am making all things new. All things new. And in all reality, Jesus' statement here, behold, I am making all things new. This was the purpose of the cross. In eternity, all things are going to be made new, but Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, for our sins, 
his actions of stretching out his hands the nails piercing his blood being shed him giving up his life only to be raised again by God that was all so that he could make all things new for us in this life here and now Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins but God who is rich in mercy he has provided a way for us to have relationship with him he has made all things new. Salvation is our inside being made new, God doing a work in our heart and transforming us from the inside out. Eternity is the everything being made new. Salvation and what Jesus did in making all things new in us is just a taste of what eternity where all things will be made new is like. So the first point, one of the most amazing things about eternity is actually what's not eternal. The second point is the point of who's not or what's not in heaven. Come to church, Revelation chapter 21, we're talking about heaven. My first two points about what's not in heaven. We're going to get to the things that are in heaven in just a moment, but who's not in heaven? I remember years ago, I worked at, uh, years ago, five years ago, I worked at Starbucks. Um, it's a little coffee shop you might have heard of. Um, and I worked at Starbucks, and every once in a while we get these promotional deals where, hey, you send out a coupon to everyone who's a Starbucks member, or if you're in the community, you get this little blurb on your smartphone, and it says, hey, bring in this barcode, we'll scan it, and you get a free drink. And it went out mass amounts of people are receiving this. And they come into Starbucks, but they just didn't get their free stuff. Not everyone who was offered the free deal received the free deal. You see, they had to take out their phone or print the sheet and have the barista scan it for them to be able to receive. And the same goes for salvation. Because the gospel, we are told in Scripture, the gospel has gone forth to all people. Everyone got the promo code. But not everyone's going to use it. We're going to look at some of those now who did not use it. John chapter 3, verse 3 says, You must be born again to inherit the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? Is born again a, a subgenre of Christianity? You hear some people say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Then you hear other people say, I am a born again Christian. Some people will say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born-again Christians. I'm just a Christian. Born-again is not a subgenre of Christianity. It's a synonym with Christian. If you are a Christian, then you are born-again. And if you are born-again, then you are a Christian. And each and every single one of us, if we put our faith in Jesus, you remember when Nicodemus said, hey, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? You must be born-again. Am I trying to talk to my mom? No, 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 it's a spiritual thing. We have to have this experience with Jesus where we are born again. It is a synonym. Verse 8 tells us this, that the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all those liars, they shall take uh, part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Murderers, sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars. These are abominable things. 
to God. And unrepentant sin, and a life of unrepentant sin, this is the wages of our sin. Death, eternal fire, fire and brimstone, lake of fire. That is... That is the eternal outcome for someone who has not said, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. And if heaven, which we spent the last few moments discussing, if heaven is real, so too is hell. There is a very real hell. You heard Pastor Dave talk about it the last two weeks. It's not just some, poof, I'm gone, missed heaven, now I no longer exist. It's not annihilation. There is a real heaven and a real hell where the fire never burns out, where the worm never dies. It is eternal. And for those who, and we're going to talk about this for just a moment, these sins, all sin, separates us from God, not just in this life, but for eternity. Murders, um, kind of goes without saying, uh, murdering and killing someone, and uh, unrepentant murderers, Murderers who have not experienced the grace of Jesus, uh, the wages of those sin is death. Sexually immoral, um, this goes for those who are um, having sex outside of marriage, fornication, uh, adultery, those who are in marriage, uh, who are having sex outside of their partner. Uh, but it's not just confined to those sexual things. You see, this is the Greek word porneia. We get our English word pornography from. This is the Throw everything in it, box, for sexual sin. All sexual sin is included here. It goes on to say sorcery. Uh, does this mean that Harry Potter and the Wizards of Waverly Place, they're going to, we're not talking about that. There's not many magicians, I don't think, in here today. There, there are people who practice magic today. Uh, but the Greek word here, it's pharmakeia. You ever want to take a stab at an English word we get from the Greek word pharmakeia? Pharmaceutical. You see, for them and their sorcery and doing their thing back in the day, they'd take mind-altering hallucinogens so that they could oh, experience this bliss. Unrepentant and continual drug use is something that's being talked about right here in Scripture. Drugs are not good. This is what they tell us in school. Drugs aren't good. Idolaters, idols. There are religions in this world that still worship idols. There are Christian Americans that still worship idols. I'm not talking about wooden sculptures and stone structures that look like weird animal gods. I'm talking about TV screens. I'm talking about cars. I'm talking about jobs. I'm talking about Women, I'm talking about money. These are idols that we worship. And unrepentant idol worship, the wages of that is death. We need to be people who repent from our sins, not just one to another, but turn to Jesus. We're going to cover that in just a second because... You might be thinking, oh my goodness, uh, well, I, I do some of those things. Does that mean I'm going to hell? We're going to talk about that in just a second. 
But maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't do those things. Whew, I stick to this. I'm, I'm good to go. But look what he says before the abominable things. He says the cowardly and the unbelieving. The unbelieving, that makes sense. But what does it mean when he says the cowardly? He's talking about people who with their mouth professed Christ, but by their actions denied him. Who when times got tough said, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not a Christian. No, 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 <laughs> Christians. What does God say? What does Jesus say? He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. These are the cowards that are being referred to here in Revelation. Those who want the benefits of Christianity, but who will not live the life set apart. As followers of Christ, we are to be bold. We are told that we are as bold, the righteous are as bold as lions. Lions are not cowardly. And the cowardly will not inherit the kingdom of God. So one might be saying, well, I'm not a coward. I'm not unbelieving. I said the sinner's prayer. I'm saved. Now I can, right? So many people who say the sinner's prayer think they're saved, and then they just go on sinning. But what does Paul say? He says, now that we're saved, we have grace. Is that a license to sin? Certainly not. We are to live a life that is different. It's not the repenting and the ceasing of sin that saves us. It is only Jesus. Galatians 5 tells us this, that those who practice sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. We all know the old adage, practice makes perfect, right? Someone who practices sin is someone who is perfecting sin, which is someone who does not want to change, because if you want to perfect something, that probably means you desire it. And so what Galatians tells us is those who practice sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. When I said just a few moments earlier, these sinners of these sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, he has wiped your slate clean. And we still sin. But we have the Holy Spirit. And we really don't want to sin again. And we hold back from our sinless sin. And he doesn't want to anymore. But when we give our lives to Jesus, we say, Jesus, you take the reins of my life. Help me become an overcomer. Help me become more than an overcomer in you. When we sin, we're not practicing sin. But practicing sin is a very intentional motivation to perfect sin. Our repetition is sin. We become people who have the pattern of sin. And that, that and those are the people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, he has forgiven you of all your sins. And Christ died once and for all. You don't have to say the sinner's prayer each time you sin. You don't have to go to confession each time you sin. You go to your father and say, hey, I need forgiveness. I sinned. He said, I already forgave you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. That's the God we serve. But when we practice sin, that's where we might have to take a step back and say, you know, what am I actually saved? My tendencies are to practice sin, to perfect sin. Might want us to take a step back and say, am I living right? And the cool thing is, while we're still breathing, it's never too late to turn to Jesus. Think of the thief on the cross. 
he's at death's doorstep. He turns to Jesus and says, you messed up. Jesus said, you're with me. You're with me. God hears us, and Jesus says, it's never too late to change his mind. We may fail, but let's not be people who practice sin. At this point, we have who's not in heaven and what's not in heaven. And our third point, it's going to help us understand why these things are not there. Because after hearing this second point about who's not going to be in heaven and sin, 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 uh, it may cause us to think, oh my goodness, I have neighbors, I have friends, I have family who fit those characteristics. And if they don't change, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And then we try and justify that with what we just heard in the first point, that there's going to be no hurt, there's going to be no pain. And if you're anything like me, I have a hard time justifying those things together, that I know people, I have friends who are going to be in hell, and that I won't be hurting because they're in hell. Because, man, in this life, if I had a loved one who died and they did not know Jesus, I would be hurting trying to justify the two is hard. There's some weird doctrines that have been formed uh, and it says well, how we can justify this is when we get our glorified bodies, God's just going to wipe our memory of all the bad things. It was said this way. It said, joy in heaven is not based on our ignorance but it's based on our perspective. We're not going to be some mindlessly eternal choir people who have no memory of bad, we're going to have perspective. The third point is we're going to understand why these people aren't in heaven. Verse 7 tells us this. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Right before we see that if you are thirsty... Jesus is going to give the water of life. How does one become saved? Be thirsty and overcome. What does Jesus say? John 7, verse 37. Are you thirsty? Come to me. Are you thirsty? Come to me. John chapter 4, woman at the well. You come here for water, but you didn't even ask me because I have water that is eternal and you will never thirst again. We are thirsty in this life. Jesus is the only thirst quencher. Jesus is the only thing that will sustain us in this life and in eternity. And the gospel has been presented to all men. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that all men are without excuse. We've been presented with the opportunity to follow Christ in this life and then have eternal life with him. If we are thirsty, we run to Jesus. We do not run to the things of this world. We do not run to the idols. We do not run to the drugs. We do not run to sex. We run to Jesus. And when we run to Jesus, he's going to give us a perspective. Jesus is our perspective. Jesus our perspective, but Jesus is our purpose. 
in this life, there's a lot of things to live for, but there's only one that matters. And that's for Jesus and what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 to go into all the world and make disciples. Boom. Job description. Done. That's our purpose in life. If you don't want to feel the hurt of loved ones, of family members, of neighbors not going to heaven, let's make a positive effort to do that right now. Let's go bring people Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been drawing all men unto the Father. He's been preparing people's hearts, getting their soil ready. He has just told us, now go spread the seed. Go spread the seed. Maybe you're not the seed spreader at a certain point. Maybe you're watering the seed. Maybe you're doing some trimming on the bush. In the end, the harvest belongs to the Lord, and we are the laborers. So let's be people who are doing what God has instructed us and encouraged us to do. There's a song. Um, let me get a little personal with you guys. I'm not going to sing it. But there's a song uh, by an artist that I actually grew up with. His name is Justin Bieber. He's a, he's a Canadian young boy who's made some mistakes and he's trying to live right. Um, but he has a song from his new album uh, called Purpose. Uh, and, it, and the lyrics of the song, when you actually listen to the whole song, uh, at the end, he explains what the song's about. It's not about a girl. It's not about money, fame, and fortune. It's about God. And he says, you give me purpose. Jesus, you give me purpose. And though he's got a lot of other things going on in his life, I'm not here to judge or say anything about that. Jesus gives us purpose. And we need to live in the purpose that Jesus has given us. We can fill our calendars with so many things, but if it is not about the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth to all nations, then our priorities might be a little bit out of whack. Yeah, we have jobs. I understand that. We have bills to pay. I understand that. We have kids to I understand all those things. But the gospel must be the foundation because, remember, good things can become bad things if we make good things the foundation, not God the foundation. And when we put Jesus first, all those other things begin to be blue sweeping cool when we look through the lens and the perspective of Jesus and eternity and future with him. So I want to encourage you guys this morning, as we're wrapping up, the worship team's going to make their way back up here, and we're going to sing one more song together. But uh, we have a purpose, and we have a perspective, and his name is Jesus. And he is God. And he has made a way for each and every single one of us to spend eternity in a place where there is no tears, no pain, no sorrow, none of these things. And I'm going to invite you all to stand. I invite you to close your eyes as well. Because heaven is a wonderful place. And we should want to go there, not because of the gold, not because of the crystal, but because it is eternity with God. It is unlimited, unhindered joy with the Father. And maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing this and the Holy Spirit's prompting you to Maybe you have some sin that you have not confessed, that you have not repented of. I encourage you to confess. Say to God, hey, I messed up. The Bible tells us he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. For the believer, that is amazing. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. 
Maybe you thought that heaven was attainable by doing good, by good works. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Unless you are born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to just extend the invitation this morning. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. And hearing this message this morning makes you think, is there more? Is there more to this life? Is there more to this afterlife? And I want to encourage you, yes, there is. And it's all about Jesus. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you've never put your faith in Jesus this morning, and you would like to do so today, would you let me know on the count of three by just slipping your hand into the air? Because the Bible tells us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So one, there is a life in Christ. Two, we can have an eternity with him in heaven. Three, is there anyone here this morning who would raise their hand and say, I want to follow Christ. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Praise God. Anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we shall be saved. So in an act of faith, in a declaration of salvation, not just the four who raised their hand, but all of us this morning, let's declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's say it again. Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on. Come on. Salvation is in the house today. Maybe you're here this morning and you've given your heart to the Lord but you take a look at your life and you realize you're not living for him. The sinful tendencies of your past, they have begun to creep into the forefront of your life and you are saved, but you're just having a hard time overcome the sinning in your life. If that's you this morning and you want to just say, God, I need your help. God, I want to surrender my heart completely to you. God, I've given you 80%. I've given you 90% but I want to give you all. If that's you this morning, and you want to give your all to Jesus. Would you let us know, let me know, every head bowed, eyes closed. And you're just saying, I surrender everything. I've given my all to Jesus. Is there anyone here and you would like to just say that this morning? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see hands all over the place. Hands all over the place. Jesus said, overcome the world. Take heart because I have overcome. So Hillside Christian Fellowship, body of Christ, take heart because we serve a God who has overcome the world and in him we can overcome. Give the Lord a hand clap in this place. For those who raised their hand for the first, for those who raised their hand for the second, and for everyone in between.
We had an altar call, but we also have an altar commission. It's not just Sunday mornings. It's not weekly Bible studies here and there. Those little pockets where we can live sold out. It is every day. 24-7, 365. We are on mission for the gospel. So I want to encourage you. And I want to commission you like Jesus commissioned. Go and make disciples. I'm going to ask you guys to raise your hand one last time. But does anyone in the church with eyes open, heads up, anyone want just a little more boldness, a little more fire, a little more zeal to share the word of God with someone around you? You guys beat me to the punch. If you are, raise your hand. And we're going to pray and we're going to worship God this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. God, that you are a God who saves, that you love us, and it is not based on our actions or our works, but it is based on the loving blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us, and God, you raised Jesus from the dead, and now we can have all things new in our lives. God, we thank you for salvation. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, and you help us overcome because you have already overcome. And God, we thank you that it is your desire and it is your will that all people would come to the Father. And God, you have drafted us onto your team. And you have commissioned us to see the will of God fulfilled in this earth as it is in heaven. So God, I pray right now for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon your people, the church. And God, that as you open the floodgates of heaven and rain down your spirit on us, empowering us, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses. God, that we would be witnesses. That we would not be in the closet. That we would not be cowards, but that we would be as bold as the lions. Going out to the highways and the hedges and compelling them to come so that your kingdom would grow and that your name would be magnified in this earth. But there is a time coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Both heaven and earth and below earth. But God, we want to see it now. We don't want to wait until it's too late. the person in the back of the line at Carl's Jr. We want to see them declare that Jesus Christ is Lord now. Empower us, God. God, we thank you. God, we praise you. You are so good. We worship you. We praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.